chapter 14, verses 8 through 23. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all the nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowds from sacrificing to them. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true in the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and, with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. again. It's, uh, it's good to be here. It's been a kind of a busy, long week uh, of lots of things going on, lots of uh, happenings, lots of life, and sadly some, some death as well uh, through, through, uh, through some of our connections. Uh, I, ask, I ask you to remember, or remember the family of William England, who was one of my band camp students who Passed away at the age of 28 this last week. Of uh, not quite sure exactly what exactly happened, but uh, his family is uh, in a lot of distress, and as well as his uh, siblings and people who knew him well. So I ask you to remember him in your prayers. I wanted to bring uh, remind, not remind you, but a song we sang a few minutes ago. My wife always panics when I pull out my phone because I shouldn't have it out in church. Um, but I put, looked up the le- the uh, words to a song we sang. It's what it's. I love it. Uh, Living hope. There's a verse that uh, kind of grabs my heart every time we sing it. <coughs> it, uh, it starts out with, "Who could imagine such great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory." To wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. The thought that the God of ages came down to bear our sin 
calls me his own. And by being his own, we have that great opportunity to live for him and to be his kids and to be his legacy to the world around us. And this morning we continue this, this series that we're in about, uh, about the, in, from Acts, from Acts chapter 14. And the title that was uh, given, given to us for today is called Living by Doing God Things. Several years ago, and many of you were, have been a part of this over the years, either financially or in person, have, have uh, went to Honduras. And uh, we used to go to what was called the Baxter Institute, which also had a clinic that had a separate name. That's not coming to me right at the second, but we would, we would work at this clinic and uh, by working, uh, we would be doing benevolence bags, we would do vacation Bible schools with the kids. Uh, I, I was always amazed at uh, our, our uh, connection with the kids. Uh, they, they saw joy, though we did not speak good Spanish, uh, far, probably very far from good Spanish, but Jim Lanier used to translate our Bible stories, and so we would have those on the back of the pictures, and we would we would uh, trans we would say those, and we would get smiles from kids, and knowing which which we knew we were not saying those things correctly, <laughs> much as if you're teaching teens these days or kids, you say something that we used to say, and they have no clue what it was. Anyway, back to the main part of what I'm trying to to bring. Uh, at this clinic, we would do these services, and we would take doctors and dentists. Uh, different people along the way and they would look to us because we were Americans they would look to us I believed most of the time that because we were Americans we were very very rich and we were very wealthy and so we were Christians coming there to share the gospel to show God's love but I always felt that they saw us only as Americans a lot of the time maybe picked up, I, I, I'm sure they picked up some of the Christian things, but when they pictured Americans, they thought of uh, white and wealthy, uh, and I think that's, that's what they thought. We were outside the clinic one day, uh, and a lady was going in for an appointment. She looked very sick. She handed a young baby to me, and I was holding this young baby and having just, you know, a great time uh, making faces at the baby, uh, the baby's smiling and just just one of those things when you hold a baby that's it's just a beautiful thing and I heard a disturbance within the, the, the medical room and I heard a scream and I heard tears which was obviously disturbing <laughs> uh, but I'm still holding the baby and trying to have a good have a you know, take care of this child that I was entrusted with for the, the couple of minutes. The woman comes out of the, the room, kisses the baby, looks at me, and runs. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> that's not how this works. Um, where is she going? And the doctor and the nurse came out. They had just told her that she didn't have long to live. She had a large tumor and that uh, she asked me where they went, where she went. I said, I don't know. And whoever was beside me said, she just gave you that baby. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, no, no. 
And uh, they chased, they got her, they brought her and talked to her and uh, brought her some peace. Hopefully, and, and of course we never know how, what all happened, how that all ended out. But I felt like she saw me as this person who, maybe not because she had any idea that I was a Christian, but because I was white, because I was American, and I was wealthy, that she was placing that baby in my care and that, she, that I was going to take care of that baby. Um, I didn't see that in the contract or the brochure, <laughs> uh, but she got her baby back. And uh, I had no surprises when I came home to, to Columbus. And I thought about that story and about the different times in, in our lives that, that we are seen as completely different than what, who we really are. And sometimes it's very, very good. Sometimes it's not, not so good. But in this portion of scripture, and as the title reminds us that we're, where we're heading is that we need to be living by doing God things. Not good things, but God things. And we'll explain that a little more in just a minute. So as we look at the scripture that was, was read to us as we go to the next slide, we, we, we realize very quickly that this scene went from worshiping to stoning. And I, I, I feel like I left out part of the slides that John David read, uh, but we're going to catch those here in, ju in just a minute. Um, the story changed very quickly um, from worship to stoning. As the, as the story starts, Peter and, and Paul are, are both, both of them healed men who were lame from birth. And had their lameness been caused by a disease or accident, the cure could have been attributed to them getting well on their own or the change in their health. As it, as it happens, this cure was miraculous because the condition of the man who was crippled, it said there that he was, had been crippled from birth, from his mother's womb, and that he had never walked. It was a severe case, and, and his disability uh, may, meant that he had no strength to walk at all, and it had been from his mother's, mother's birth. But the concern of the cripple, if you caught it as the, as the reading was being read, was, was not about his crippledness. It was not about his not being able to walk, but it was about his spiritual matter. The cripple had more concerns about life than being crippled. Um, and no one would, would criticize him for being concerned about his crippledness or being, or being healed from that. But his, he was concerned about his spiritual needs. And I think that's a very interesting thing to look at in this story. The fact that this man, crippled from birth, unable to walk, was before Jesus and he was listening to Jesus. And he didn't come to be healed. He came for his spiritual needs. And he heard this message, and Paul realized that that was what he was hearing. And Paul looked to him and said, get up and walk. And the man did in front of all of his people. So, Paul, so Paul's message was hindered. Let's look at verse 11 here. Uh, if you go back to, to Acts chapter 14, verse 11. Uh, I didn't mean for you to do that, but that, that's good. Thank you. Um, when the crowds saw that Paul had, what Paul had done healing this man, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, 
the gods have come down to us in the form of men. And they started to call Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the main speaker. And then the priest and the, uh, and the priest of Zeus, uh, whose temple was just outside of town, brought oxen and uh, garlands to the gates. And he, uh, he, with the crowds, intended to offer sacrifices to, to Paul and Barnabas because they were feeling that the gods had come down, the, the Greek gods that they, were, they had worshipped in their communities. And verse 14 says, the apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and rushed to the crowd shouting, men, why are you doing these things? We are men also with the same nature as you and we are proclaiming the good news to you uh, that you should turn uh, from these worthless things to the living God. He's challenging them even though they've brought things to offer them because they assume they were these Greek gods, they are refuting those things. They do not want these, these gifts. They do not want the sacrifice that is being offered to them. And so Paul and Barnabas tore their robes, and they, they heard it, and they, and they told the crowd, why are you doing it? Um, back, back to, let me read 15 again. So men why are you doing these things? We are men also with the same nature as you. We are proclaiming good news to you that you should turn from your worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past generations, he allowed all nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness since he did, um, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful, se fruitful seasons and satisfying your hearts with food and happiness. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing. They were pointing him to God, but the crowds were still looking at them as these Greek gods. Miracles by themselves do not produce either conviction or faith. They must be accompanied by the word. Every time that, that Christ did a miracle, he accompanied it by the word of God. He, he shared with them what God was having them to say. It wasn't for a big show. It was to show them what God wanted them to do. This was a superstitious crowd that interpreted the, the events in, in the light of their own mythology. I took Greek mythology at OSU. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> if, if you've ever read any of that or tried to study it, it's just an interesting man-made mess, uh, but, but interesting. In, 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 in all of that. But these people were very superstitious and they, they were identifying Paul and Barnabas as, as these messengers from the gods. How easy it would for Paul and Barnabas to accept this worship. It would have been very easy for them to accept it and try to honor um, and to use the honor as a basis for teaching the people the truth. But they didn't do it. They didn't accept the sacrifices. In fact, they called them out on it and said that these were vain vain, it was a vain faith, it was a vain belief, and that you need to live, to, to believe in the living God. And they were trying to, to, uh, to convince the people not to live in these vanities. But Paul's, Paul, as the story goes on, Paul, they didn't like it. They didn't like that he was telling them that their worship was vain. And so they took him out and they stoned him. They stoned him and left him for dead. But he had, he had left the message 
<coughs> excuse me, he had been speaking the message and had been preaching in that, the surrounding area. And he talked about making it clear that the living God and that he's a giving God and that he's a forgiving God and that he'd been patient all of this time with the sinning nations and he wasn't judging them as they had deserved to until now. And so they took him out, they stoned him. But a beautiful piece of that passage is, is that the people, the new believers, went out and surrounded Paul. Paul was left to be dead, as dead from the stoning. And yet the people gathered around him. They gathered around him, these new believers, these, these new people of faith, and Paul right got up. He got up from the stoning. Did he go to the hospital? Did he go to the ER? <laughs> Did he go home and pout? No. He went back into the city. He went back into the city to, to finish and do the work that he had, had started to do. So Paul had been persecuted because of telling the truth to these people that he was not one of their Greek gods, but he was from the true and the living God. There's a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson that I found interesting. It says, the history of persecution is a history of endeavors to cheat nature, to make water run uphill, to twist a rope of sand. It makes no difference whether the actors are many or one, a tyrant or a mob. We see that in our, our world yet today. The, the activities, the, the things that happen through mob mentality. Things that don't make sense seem to be fought for in such a way that, that many are convinced to join in there. Quiet, the crowd had quieted down, but when some troublemaking Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium, the crowd followed their lead and stoned Paul. One minute Paul was a god, small g, to be worshipped, and the next minute he was a criminal to be slain. They did not like what, what, what Paul was telling them. They did not call that as something they wanted to hold. And so they turned from worshiping him to, to stoning him. Often this is true. There were new believers in Lystria, uh, and this was a crisis situation for them. They were a minority, that their leader had been stoned, and their future looked very, very bleak. But they stood by Paul, and it's likely that they joined hearts and prayed for him, and this was the reason that God raised him up. Was Paul dead? We're not told whether he was or not from the stoning, but it came to bring glory to God. <coughs> this is one of the most powerful moments in the whole book of Acts, because Paul, surely bloody and bruised from the stoning, had just endured, uh, uh, surrounded by believers, maybe some of, I'm sorry, this is one of the most powerful moments in the whole book. Paul, surely bloodied and bruised from the stoning, had just endured, he had just endured, surrounded by believers, uh, got up and went back into the city. One of the other things, speaking about suffering, perhaps it's, uh, perhaps to be able to explain suffering as in the clearest indication uh, Sorry, that does not make sense to me. Perhaps to be able to explain suffering is the clearest indication of never having suffered. 
sin, suffering, and sanctification are not problems of the mind, but facts of life. Mysteries that are awakened, that awaken all other mysteries until the heart rests with God. And that's from Oswald Chambers. It's hard to explain suffering. It's hard to explain uh, affliction, persecution, unless you've been through it. Several years ago, uh, some of us were in a, a meeting, and we explained, we kind of shared together that we felt like the church had not been persecuted. We had not felt that. We didn't understand that. Um, and my, how five, eight years later, we are, are seeing some of that in our country, in our world today, that Christians are persecuted for what they believe, and that they, we must stand uh, for what we believe. Um, Charles Spurgeon made a, a, a statement, most of the grand truths of God have been learned by trouble. They must be burned into us with hot iron of affliction. Otherwise, we shall not truly receive them. No man is competent to judge in the matters of the kingdom until he first has been tried, since there are many things to be learned in the depths which we can never know in the heights. We all must go through persecution. We must go through trials. We must have the times in our life when we feel like God is not near us. I can't imagine Paul's feeling after bringing the word of God, healing this man, then being stoned, left for dead, and then surrounded not only by God, by these, but by these new Christians. And he got the energy, he got the notion to get up and to go back into the city, and they continued to preach. As you and I live our lives, we have to do God things. We have to live in a godly way. We talk about the fruits of the Spirit, and in the next slide, we're reminded of those things. Faithfulness, gentleness, peace, goodness, joy, uh, self-control, love, patience, and kindness. Those are ways of God. Those are not ways of us. They don't come naturally to many of us. Maybe some of them do. But all of those things as, as a total do not come to us without the help of God. And as we live and do God things, these things will exude from our lives. These will exude from our actions and from our deeds. The next slide reminds us that we are to be loving and that we are to give love, that we are to be people who give and to serve. Uh, the next slide reminds us about serving and that it takes many, many hands to serve. We must do so. We must serve and do God things so that people see God in our lives and our actions. One of the things that I think we have to realize as Christians is that God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. I can only see part of the picture that he is painting. It's a quote by Stephen Curtis Chapman. We can be like God. We are servants of God. We are servants of him. We are to resemble him. There's a picture of my father and his father. Uh, who uh, My grandparents had divorced when my father was three. My grandfather went to, to Arkansas. My grandmother stayed here with my father. Uh, they never saw each other till the 70s, uh, the 1970s. I know that's a prehistoric time for many people. Uh, 
but it was very interesting when they did get together. There's a picture that I could not find um, of my father and his father standing together in my grandfather's yard. And they both are standing with their hands in their pockets, their shoulders kind of curved in a little bit. My grandfather's curved in a lot more because he was older than my father's. And they're standing there talking. And as we went into their house, my grandfather, though they had not been together, you know, all of that, all of those years, my grandfather's ordering systems and organization was a very much like my father's and the stuff that they kept and the things that they do. So my father was like his father, both physically and in thoughts even though they had never been together and my father had picked all of those, had carried those things on. And very much like that, you and I need to be like our father God. We need to be like him. We need to have these, these, these fruits of the spirit that we've talked about, faithfulness, gentleness, peace, goodness, joy, self-control, love, patience, and kindness. We need to resemble and reflect our father and our brother Jesus. We need to reflect them in our lives and remember that we are not God. It's a beautiful picture, very scary picture of what happened to Paul. But I want us to remember that he reacted to this man who needed badly to be saved and to, to, to find salvation. The gift of walking and not being a cripple anymore was truly, truly a blessing but he now had hope and he had faith and he had salvation in the God who made, it, made him. I hope that we never take over the role or assume the role of God. We will never be completely like him. We will never have his power. We will never have all of his, all of who he is, but we can be like him. And I hope that we are mistaken for him from time to time and that people will think of God when they see us. And that's the purpose, that's your and my purpose here on this earth, that we resemble God so much that people reflect to him and give him the glory. And that was Paul's, that was Paul's uh, aim and his mission, and he succeeded in that in a very, very beautiful way. So my encouragement to all of us today is that we do God things that we try to be like God in such, a, in such a way that people will be encouraged and will people want to know more about him and be a part of him. And we can only do that by trying and trying each day. We will never be all of those fruits of the Spirit. We can achieve those, we can try those, but we, we will never be perfect and proficient at all of those. But we need to try, and that needs to be our goal that needs to be our aim each day to do God things and do them for him and give him the glory for those things. <clears throat> this morning I hope that you've picked up something that was encouraging is something that you heard that helps you to realize that one we are God's kids two we have a job to do to be like him we are not him but we need to be like him and that we have a purpose here on this earth to make disciples, that we have a purpose to be all of those fruits of the Spirit, to be loving and giving and serving to the world around us so people will look to God 
and give him the glory. This morning, as, 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 as you've sat here, if you have been encouraged, if you have been challenged, if there's something in your faith that you feel that you need to turn over to God, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe that's not a step that you've taken or decided to make. Maybe this is the day that you want to become a Christian and start to stand up for Jesus and do God things. If that is true, make that note while we uh, sing this song in just a minute. But if you need prayers to be a better God-like person, to be his representative, to do what he wants you to do, if you would like encouragement with that, make that note while we stand and sing.